Hey there, restaurant pros. It's David Scott Peters, and welcome to episode 33 of the Restaurant Prosperity Formula. I've been coaching restaurant owners since 2003, and the Restaurant Prosperity Formula is based on what the most successful restaurant owners I've worked with do on a daily basis to achieve their success. The basic premise of the formula centers around achieving prosperity, freedom from your restaurant, and the financial freedom you deserve. To achieve prosperity, you have to follow a very specific formula made up of leadership, systems, training, accountability, and taking action. Today's topic centers around restaurant technology. Our guest today is Jeremy Julian, host and producer of the Restaurant Technology Guys podcast and blog. Jeremy is also the COO of Custom Business Solutions, Inc., a family-owned and operated restaurant technology company. I can tell you firsthand that Jeremy is an expert in his field and is a top-notch provider as I used his company personally 20-plus years ago when I was a franchisor and we needed somebody to literally save the day. I want to welcome Jeremy Julian to the show today, but first, a word from our sponsor. This episode is being brought to you by Repeat Returns. If you're a restaurant owner of a medium to high volume independent restaurant, multi-unit or franchise operator, and you're looking for a proven and realistic solution to attract, grow and retain customers, then you need to visit Repeat Returns. Repeat Returns is a modern marketing platform created by a restaurant owner for restaurant owners. It studies each customer's habits and patterns, predicts the most profitable outcome for your restaurant every single day, and deploys the marketing to make that happen. You'll never lift a finger. To see if Repeat Returns is right for you, visit repeatreturns.com forward slash DSP. Jeremy, I'm so excited to have you on the show today. Thanks so much for joining me. Well, I appreciate you having me. It's, uh, it's, always, it's always a great day when I get a chance to talk with you. Well, you're very kind. You're very kind. Um, let's kind of give a little background before we we get into it. Um, you and I, full disclosure, have actually technically known each other for over 20 years. Um, Absolutely. Crazy, right? I was a franchisor at Famous Sam's. We were, at the time, a director of operations when we first met, and I was brought on to retrain brand new franchisees, get things going, and we were changing our point of sale system because in another life, that's kind of where we met each other. Mm -hmm. And as years have gone on, uh, we reconnected in your podcast, uh, the restaurant technology guys. Um, like it's kind of crazy how small the world is, the restaurant world. No, absolutely. And I, I try and teach my staff that often. It's like, guys, you have no idea where those tentacles are going to go and how many, how people, if you take them, treat them right now, how it's going to turn into a very good conversation. Even if you Hold our system out. You know what? End it well. Be kind. You know, let things go. Because you know what? Um, once you get into the restaurant industry, I would say 90 plus percent of people don't leave. And so you don't make enemies because at the end of the day, we're, you know, they made a business decision. They chose not to choose you. And that's all good. We're good with that. Let's move forward. And and so, yeah, it was kind of funny when we reconnected because you were checking out my profile. You're like, I know you. <laughs> like, that was like the first thing you said to me. And I'm like, how do you know me? You're like, I know you. And then we went through the history and I was like, this is awesome. This is so much fun to reconnect because uh, because really it was it was driven back to back to the to my podcast that I run, which I know we'll talk about here in a little bit. Absolutely. So I, you're the technology guys. And, and so I want to talk technology and, and it's probably one of the hottest topics when in the industry right now, because we've come so far from the days mm -hmm. when, you know, we were using VisiCalc, which was before Excel, you know, mm -hmm. to do things. And you were cutting age if you did that. And then there was only like one software out there for food costing. And I believe that was food tracks. There yep. was these DOS based 
POS systems that were all PLU driven that you type mm -hmm. 11. Romanco. Somebody, somebody threw up Romanco the other day to me. I was like, wow, that brought me back. Yeah. And that was, that was in huge technology from running a cash register with a Z report, printing out this incredibly mm -hmm. long receipt to where today we have integrations between multiple software uh, packages from POS systems to back office, to scheduling, to you name it. And so I kind of want to ask you kind of what is the, what is the current state of the industry when it comes to technology? Um, I, I love the history lesson and, it, and it's funny because it's been a really relevant topic, obviously with COVID and, and everybody having to adopt technology. Um, you know, and, and to your point, I think even the state of the restaurant industry has changed so significantly in the last two years because people needed to figure out how to serve their guests, whether it was drive-through or it was takeout or it was through third-party delivery. And I think all too often, um, restaurants historically were laggards on the on the adoption curve with technology and and um, for my business that that I do professionally day in and day out it's been fun to talk with restaurant tours that are trying to solve guest challenges and I think it's a it's a different answer depending upon where you are in the continuum and I think those that are early adopters I think are really getting to the point where every piece of technology the point of sale is kind of the hub of everything but all your ordering points are, are multiples whether you're talking about Olo or, or Nova Diner or DoorDash third-party deliveries all of these things are coming into the to the point of sale all of the data is coming out of the point of sale for things like food costing and and purchasing and, and all of those pieces and so I think across the board those people that had already adopted or were early in that curve um, are, are in a tremendous place to be able to really capitalize on on the things that were happening and I and then I think the others got caught with their pants down a little bit and and there was those restaurants that were at a place where it's like you know what I don't need to implement any new technology because I'm on a three-hour wait on a Friday night so I don't need all I need is a front desk system or a reservation system and I'm good because you know right. what I got a three-hour wait on a Friday and a Saturday night and I'm making you know making 30 points on on my martinis and I'm making you know 20 points on my on these entrees and so I'm good I don't need anything and they got stuck with this this now they shut down the dining rooms and I think they were trying to play catch up to try and figure out how do they create that same level of experience within their brand to get their brand outside of the four walls of what they're doing. Obviously, people are starting to come back. I don't, you know, I don't know when this will be released, but I, I know people are starting to come back in. But even then, they can't deliver the same level of quality because, um, because I mean, there's the staffing issues, there's the supply chain issues. They can't always get the same quality of, of product that they once got, as well as the staff to be able to do it because there's so few people that have that have come back to serve in those restaurants. And so um, I know it's a long answer to your question, but um, the, the, the other piece that I guess I would throw out there is we're seeing a lot of people using technology to solve these challenges rather than just implementing technology for technology sec. Whether it's the staffing problem and they're implementing onboarding solutions or kiosks or order at the table so now you can take one or two extra turns a night um, in the dining room with the tablet, those types of things are definitely on everybody, the forefront of everybody's mind um, as they go out and, and talk about these things. And so, like I said, long answer to the question, but I, I'm sure that it'll pose but, but a there, couple there's other still more to it. I mean, you think about it, I tell my members and, and people I give uh, go to seminars, they watch me and, you know, speeches all over the, the country. I often tell people the most important piece of equipment you will ever buy in your restaurant is your point of sale system. And, mm -hmm. and I said, just beware, I'll find you 500 people who love that POS system. And I'll find you 500 people who hate that POS system. So just know that that is the case. It's, it's really service and support. And does it have the features and does it have the reports and things like that, that you need with mm -hmm. that said, 
things have changed so much over the years. As I said, we go back 30 years ago and there was only one program and one program and one program where, you know, my past life recently, uh, as of two years ago, I built a software company, a whole back office. And yep. our biggest thing was integration and things like that. And there's a couple, there's two sides to this coin. I, I kind of want to ask you about number one, software should make life easier. Now it is an additional expense. And if mm -hmm. you don't use it properly, it is an expense versus an investment, whether it's mm -hmm. table turns and you're getting more people in and happier guests and you'll make more money, higher sales, whether it's scheduling, but not just happy horse shit that now it's online. It is actually something you use compared to a budget. You control your labor because the data is there talking to your POS mm -hmm. and so on, whether it's food or beverage costs and we can get to ideal versus actual product usage, the mic drop in software, like you should have used, uh, you know, a case of Jack Daniels used a case and a half. You should have used 150 pounds of chicken wings. You used 200 pounds. Like, where is mm -hmm. my problem? You can hone in and see it, but you got to set it up properly and so on. But there's a couple things that go along with that. There's so many different things. Again, third-party delivery, all these yep. technology packages that want to talk together. I want you to kind of, I'm going to throw you a curveball, and And it's this. I often hear people when they, they wanted to buy my old software, use it as, as a software, as a service, they'd say, Hey, does it integrate with my POS system? Like, what do you think integration means? Right? Uh -huh. Will it do this, this, this? Well, you don't need this, 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 what you do need is this. And they'd uh -huh. sit there and say, Oh, does it integrate? There's this myth out there, or it's a legend. I don't know what you call it. Like if I can get my POS to integrate with all the software, it makes life easier but they truly don't understand what integration means or why, mm -hmm. right? Because yep. they're not using systems in the first place, sometimes jump right into this big thing and, oh, it needs to integrate as if it's magic, but it's not magic, right? I mean, it's just a matter of filtering data. You still have some work to do. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. And I think all too often um, people go in search of a solution when they don't even really understand what their problem is. Um, and I and I think that that's way too often is, is, oh, my friend's using this and he told me now he's able to afford a new Mercedes S-Class because he implemented this new thing. And they don't even realize what their real problem is. And so way too often when I'm engaging with our restaurant clients or I'm engaging with our sales staff and they'll ask that same question, oh, does it integrate with this? Well, what does that do? Like, what does that package do? Right. Um, and what are they trying to get out of it? I don't even care if it integrates or not, because if it, if it doesn't serve the purpose that the customer is looking for, then none of it matters. And so from my perspective, it always comes back to, you know, I mean, that, that whole adage that, you know, everything looks like a nail when all you have is a hammer. Um, right. and, and software salespeople are that way because they all they have is a hammer. And so everything is going to be what they what they want and need versus what is the problem that we're really trying to solve? Because too often when you understand what the core root of the problem is, it might even not require software. And there's many times when our business has said, you don't need our solution. All you need to do is tweak these two things in your existing software and you're going to be happy. Call me in 12 months when you've added another $500,000 in sales, because you know what, then you're going to need our software because you're going to have these complexity of problems. So would you agree with in my brain? Cause I used to sell an all in one solution. I created it from scratch with my team. Um, I often found that I may have known exactly what their solution, what the problem was and what the solution needed to be, but sometimes people aren't ready for the big package. They almost need uh, the gateway drug. Like instead mm -hmm. of an all-in-one, like uh, my old company or 365 or Compete or whatever it is, and they're all merging now. They're all together now. <laughs> yep. yep. Uh, the fact of the matter is 
Sometimes it's better to get a scheduling piece software, a food and beverage software, a, you know, something else software, even though they're not connected because you actually have to use it first and understand mm -hmm. that you need the integration because, you know, you're tired of putting the same number into three different systems. And so now you're ready, but until you use one of them, going to an all-in-one is way too early for people and they waste money and time, get frustrated and stop. Do you see that, that they sometimes need a gateway piece of software, that this is kind of entry level for you? You Absolutely. need to use it until you need to move on. Is that Absolutely. accurate? Absolutely. Yeah, no, that is that is 100% accurate. And I think way too often, back to back to my, my last answer, I think people are trying to solve a problem. You have no idea how many times people in the past would come to, do you have labor scheduling? Do you have inventory? Do you have this integrated with your point of sale? And I'd go, yes, we do, but I can guarantee you you're not gonna use it. So why are you asking me about it? Because at the end of the day, you need a point of sale that does this, this, and this, because this is your biggest business challenge. And you know what, once you've mastered that, then I'm happy to take it on, but I'm not gonna take on doing inventory and labor scheduling and end, 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 until you've mastered the core blocking and tackling of how do I get my sales in? How do I get my you know basic food costs? What should I have sold? What did I actually, you know, to, to your magical number, but they want to do this theoretical food cost with counting salt and packets and ketchup well, packets. And, and it's like so foolish. It's like, come on, people, are you kidding me? You don't but, have enough time and money to do this. And that's the integration part of where they think some POS systems, I don't always jump in on, the, oh, hey, my POS says inventory. No, you really need somebody else's software because mm -hmm. they think that it's really a depleting thing. Unless you're gonna put every invoice, every product, like down to the, the grain of salt, Yep. the idea is, well, I should have this much on the shelf. Well, that's theory. You've got people lurch uh -huh. on the line grabbing French fries eight ounces instead of six ounces. It's not real. And so you've Absolutely. gotta have these other systems and, and really kind of understand, what I always say is you gotta understand the word problem first. Like mm -hmm. yep. it's the same equation over and over again. But if you don't understand where the numbers come from and how they connect, then you could jump into software, hope it it does something that it's not gonna do and then get pissed off because you never understood where the numbers came from and really what it's gonna produce for you in the first place. Yes, uh, absolutely agreed. And I think that that's way too often what happens and people don't quite understand. And And you and I talked about it when you were on my podcast, Change Management. They don't understand change management. The only exception to this that I would say is in things like where I've already implemented things like third-party delivery. And if it does integrate with your point of sale, you're probably better off because you've already implemented it and you're just saving a step through technology Agreed. rather than having it entered. So that would be the only exception to this problem. Everything else, you know, in implementing a, a labor scheduling platform that integrates with your point of sale versus doesn't integrate with your point of sale, I would suggest you don't integrate it with your point of sale day one. Maybe day 90, you know, after two or three months of scheduling, six, you know, two or three, four pay cycles, now integrate it and start to enforce your schedule. But initially, you don't need to because at the end of the day, figure out what your ideal schedule should be by looking at your sales data. Figure out that, that you're really running your shifts efficiently because there'll be a different conversation there if and when you do it properly. so And you end up chasing the wrong squirrel. Integration yep. squirrels. Like, oh, well, this doesn't yep. connect. Well, we can't use it. We can't, oh, but this didn't work. Oh, we can't use it. And all of a sudden mm -hmm. the excuses come on where just go learn that thing, go use it. Really, why does it have to integrate with your POS system? Maybe for the punch in, punch out, but in the beginning when you're scheduling, really doesn't have yep. to. You know, make your managers go see that they clocked in early and make them punch out instead of having Absolutely. it magically done. So this kind of leads into what are some best practices when, when somebody's out there really looking to deploy technology, what would be some best practices that you see out there? 
I, I, I mean, I, I said it in my answer earlier. I think you need to truly figure out what your real root cause problem is. Is your problem service? Is your problem stability? Is your problem cost? Is your problem integrations? Is your problem it doesn't fulfill your business needs? Is your problem that, that it breaks down too often? Is it that you can't get to the data sitting on the couch or sitting on the beach that you need to be able to know that stuff? Is it that I've got you know menu challenge problems? What are your real problems before you go do that selection. And so define those in writing, not just what your gut says, not just what the manager's complaining most about, what are your real challenges? Then your next step is truly to go out and talk to you. I mean, the restaurant industry, almost any single restaurant tour, when you walk in their door and you say, hey, I own a restaurant down the street, we'll talk to you about what they're doing, what they love about what they're doing and what they hate about what they're doing. And they'll help you in your buying decision because it's all very, I mean, to, to our point earlier, when we started the podcast, we have known each other for 20 plus years because we've been doing this for 20 plus years and, and right. there's lots of people in and around. And so we're very, very hospitable. Everybody wants to help each other out. It's not a zero sum game for, for the most part, you know, maybe in the same strip mall, you might be, you know, competing with the guy next door to you, but otherwise it's not a zero sum game. It is expensive exponential when you can help restaurants do well. And so ask your contemporaries and say, hey, you look just like me. What are you doing for labor scheduling? What do you love about it? What do you hate about it? Because I've defined that labor scheduling is the problem that I'm trying to solve. And so now I go to the guy that looks just like me and he has three restaurants and go, what are you doing there? And what what things should I look out for? What what didn't work well? What did work well? Go ask somebody else. Get a list of two or three, four people have a clearly defined list of what it is that you want to do with this solution and then make them show it to you and make them show you customers that have already done it with the solution that you're trying to find. Not just let me show you a PowerPoint and show you all of the great things that I've done. Show me a customer that saved 12% in labor costs because they implemented a labor scheduling enforcement calendar and now they're, and, and they've met all of their legal compliance issues for the state of you know New York that turns into real solutions that, that you know that they're actually executing on versus what somebody sold you on a PowerPoint slide. Well, and I would say one step to that, again, because I'm the restaurant coach got a side of things is often the owner thinks what their problem is, is not really the problem, you know? Yes. So take the time to learn, take the time Absolutely. to, you know, listen to podcasts, go to seminars and workshops, go to trade shows, read the industry rags, you mm -hmm. know, gather information, become smarter at what we do because often, for instance, oh, I need this because my people are clocking in and clocking out, uh, you know, uh, not when I want them to do, so I need to restrict. Well, is it that, or is it that you're not scheduling on budget? You're bringing everybody yep. in at the same time, praying you're busy and sending them home if you're slow and it's too late, you've blown your labor budget. So there mm -hmm. are, you know, it's sometimes digging deeper to make sure you truly are honing into the true pain point. Yeah. So I have one other thing real quick, David, yeah, that, that I'd please. love to throw out to the, to, the, to the group is you also have to resource your team to implement the change once you've made a selection. Because oh, yeah. the other thing I see way too often is you've got a full-time job as a general manager of this store working 70 or 80 hours a week, and then they throw a change at you and say, just add this on top of what you're already doing. And then it fails and they go, why did it fail? Well, because you already had a full-time job and you've not given them any capacity to go implement this change. So getting executive buy-in, ownership buy-in, whomever it is that's the that's the check writer, and then resourcing it appropriately. That yeah. may mean hiring a consultant to do it. That may mean 
adding an extra staff member to help that general manager run the floor while he's implementing this change. That may mean, you know, bringing in the technology consultant to do this deployment for you. Something along those lines is, is very, very important. And I see way too many technology solutions that would have been perfectly you know, spot on for what they were trying to solve. They knew what problem they were trying to solve, but they didn't resource it appropriately and it failed because they didn't get buy-in and they didn't do their due diligence to do it right the first time. And then the staff turns on you and goes, these people don't know what they're doing. And then you have turnover or you have people that don't buy into the solution. You've seen it. You're, yep. you're, you're shaking your head because you know that that, that that kind of stuff happens every day. Every day. Every day. And it's it's this is where, again, on my side of things, we talk about delegation, training your replacement, making sure that you can shed off some of the tasks we do as managers, as owners, mm -hmm. to other people so you can take on the bigger things. But, you know, the other part when you said that we got to buy in and, and allocate the, the funds, whether we need to add people or whatever, you need to you need to allocate the time having a mm -hmm. true understanding like POS integration. Oh, yeah, we're going to have this done in, in you know, two months. No, no, you're not. You've, you've got to program yeah. it. No, oh, by the way, when you get there, you're probably have not told them what you really needed. And you're going to have three days of, oh shit. Oh, that doesn't, oh shit. Change. Oh shit. Like be prepared. That's just the mm -hmm. nature of how it is. Because when people program, they program exactly what you tell them. It's yep. not what you Two meant. Spec. <laughs> yes, right? exactly. Two spec. <laughs> well, <laughs> the other piece that I would say is, is, is if you're going to plan on hiring a professional, listen to them. They do this all the time. You've been in a thousand restaurants. You've consulted with a thousand restaurants or more. You've run really successful restaurants for many, many years. And you go into these brands and they try and tell you, you don't know what you're talking about. It's like, do you really think that you hired me to come in and tell you that I don't know what I'm talking about? I've worked with some of the most successful brands in the world. And I have this one-off operator that's running a $700,000 a year cafe going, yeah, I realize that that works for some of the most successful casual dining brands in the world. But it's not going to work here. It's like, come yeah. on, man. Listen to the listen to the professionals that do this every day, and 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 take their advice because that's why you hired them. And, and that's the difference between a successful operator and and one who's not. It's it's leadership. I always tell people mm -hmm. if you want to know the one thing that that cripples a restaurant, it's lack of leadership. And if you can have the right mindset, growth mindset versus fixed mindset, you're in so mm -hmm. much better shape because the, the fixed mindset person does exactly that. You don't know what you're talking about. That won't work here. We've tried that versus the growth mindset goes, man, I got a challenge. I need to consume the information. Maybe yep. I need to do it your way and maybe I can tweak a little bit because maybe you didn't see this in my operation, but you gotta be open to change. Absolutely. So let's, let's talk about change. I talk to people for, I will tell you there's a blessing curse for me because I built my last company as a restaurant training coaching company turned into a software company. And it's a very different world when you're a software company. It's it, you're a solution. You can be a challenge. You can be a problem. You can be just change somebody's world all the same time, which is mm -hmm. just frustrating beyond belief. And you're always programming. You're always getting better and you're always creating more errors. That's just the nature of the business. So I'd have people who would come and go. I'd have churn. People come in and go, oh, this is too hard. Or find another vendor that says, oh, we can take care of that better, whether they could or not, switch. Mm -hmm. I've worked with numerous uh, members who have gone from this top-line POS system to this top-line. Now, what did you really gain? Maybe there was some technology, maybe another software that you wanted to integrate, and that's the reason being... You know, they all damn near do the same thing. So really changing from one cloud-based to another cloud-based 
do you really gain? So people are always reevaluating people like me when I was a software provider, people like POS yep. dealers and so on. How, how do you vet your current vendors? Like, how do you, when you say I've got these technology people, how do I determine yeah, I'm in the right spot? So, um, we take the approach at our organization and I, and I hope that this will resonate with your audience of being a trusted advisor. Um, you know, I talked about the story in the, in earlier in our, in our conversation where there's times we, we could take somebody's money and, and sell them something, but, but it's not the right solution for them. We'd rather point them to the right solution because long-term they're going to be more effective. And so we're constantly in communication with our clients talking about what it is that they need, going to trade shows and bringing it back. The publicly traded company, I was just talking to their CIO yesterday, they do over a billion dollars in sales. I was talking with their CIO, so big organization, probably a brand name that the majority of your listeners would know. I was on the phone with their CIO and I said, have you heard about this, this, and this? Nothing that I'm ever gonna sell, but I said, I was introduced to this. I know that I was just at your general manager's conference a month ago. I sat and listened to your CEO talk about this being a problem. Did you know that this is a potential solution out there to solve what it is that you're looking for? And now he's going to go look into that and hopefully be the hero of his organization because he's going to solve a data problem that they have because I introduced him to a vendor that we don't make a dime on. But at the end of the day, helping understand what his true problem is and helping him solve the problem, even if they're not paying us for him, has boded well for our organization. And sometimes that means that we don't get the first sale, we get the second, third, and fourth sale. But I, this same person I have known for the same length of time I've known you, and right. he spent millions and millions and millions of dollars with our company because I'm that guy that he calls, our people in our organization, and it's not just me, people in our organization are constantly out on the lookout trying to solve people's problems even if it's something that we don't sell because it's the right thing to do. And we have our ears out. We know different people that they don't know. We have experience talking to the next brand that's doing a billion dollars in sales to say, you're not connected with them. Let me connect you with them. Let me connect you with their partner that's solving this problem for them. And so oftentimes it comes down to that. And so to me, the, 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 that's a long answer to say, you really need to make sure that whomever you're partnered with is adding business value beyond just when I call and I have a problem, they fix it. Because at the end of the day, you want them to be a business advisor to you to help make your business better. When you've got third-party delivery, at the beginning of the pandemic, if you didn't have third-party delivery, they should have been sending you collateral saying, are you integrated with third-party delivery? Because you know what? You're, you're using DoorDash. I see it on your website. You should be doing integration because you know what? It's going to save you this amount in labor and it costs me nothing to turn that on and integrate it straight to the point of sale but that's the difference between a a, a pure partner in the business and a vendor so then let's say i i determine that i need to make a change because i've got just a provider i don't have a partner right because mm -hmm. that, that's that's kind of the, the the gist of it how do i evaluate somebody what are some of the pitfalls like I've got, I've got my opinion on what some of the pitfalls are, but you're deep in it, right? You, yeah. you've talked to, to chains, you talk to independents, you talk to other technology providers, you've been in this your whole life. Like what are some of those pitfalls when I decide I'm going to start looking? So probably the, the biggest thing that, that causes a POS um, implementation to fail once we've gotten to that place where they've selected us is the buy-in is the executive buy-in, they don't know what they want and you can't get them to agree as to what they want. But 
I think the biggest thing, and, and it's a dirty word in the, the restaurant technology space, and I'm sure you would agree, is the whole RFP, RFI process. Because for the most part, the RFP was written by some technology vendor, and it's geared towards what they want to sell. So it's right. their, their solution rather than really what is the business want or what is the business need. And so um, the same technology, the same C CIO that I just alluded to just a few minutes ago, he's going through the POS selection process. And he asked me, what would you do if you were in my shoes? I said, the first thing I would do is document what it is that you do today. Document what your business requirements are. Document what your needs are. You know, what do you do today? What are your integration touch points? What are your loyalty touch points? What are your coupon touch points? What are your KDS touch points? What, what, you know, what are your front desk touch points? What are all of the technology needs that you have? Where is the business going three to five years from now? Um, and what, what things are you missing? And then we start to map those things out and we're going to document it for this, this, you know, it's a 200 plus store casual dining chain. Um, we're going to document everything that's going on within their business. Um, we actually, you know, he, he said, I want it to be independent, but we're going to put somebody on site. And again, this is a really large deal. So I'm not talking to the independents out there, but the independence, the same process is going to go. How do I need to use my point of sale? What do I need to do? What are my, you know, do I, do I need a catering module? Do I need a takeout module? Do I need drive-through? Do I need handhelds? Do I need pay at the table? Do I need order at the table? Do I, you know, go through your list of requirements, go through what you do today, go through if I, you know, my last 10, 15, 20 fantastic dining experiences and say, what is it that I wish I would have in my restaurant that I didn't have when I went out to eat at that place? Write that down as well. And then go score those. We have, I have a presentation for a, a, another high-end brand in two weeks, and they sent us our list of requirements. Those lists of requirements were operational and financial, not technology. It wasn't, I mean, there was a there was like like seven lines of do you integrate with Avero? Do you integrate with Restaurant 365? And do you integrate with OpenTable? Just say those, those were three of your seven lines. The other 200 lines were all operational of can I course the sushi plates the way that I want to, that the chef needs to see them in the kitchen so that I don't screw up my, because that's a, a real critical thing because it's a sushi bar. They've got chefs from Japan that need to see it a certain way. And so that is a business requirement and they will not select a point of sale unless it can fulfill that business need. But they've got it documented so that there's no question. And you know what, if you find a, an honest vendor, um, they're gonna tell you the truth because at the end of the day, they, they're, if, they, if they tell you yes and they install it, and the sushi chef throws the damn ticket back at you when you go to implement it, they'll have the old system in there until they can find somebody that can do that. And that also has happened where we've had, uh, we didn't define the requirements, right? And, and had people that were unhappy with the solution that we provided. So let me ask you this, because technology has changed so rapidly. There are, I'm gonna leave the brands out, but there's a, used to be the top three POS brands out there. Uh, mm -hmm. So proud of themselves that they're, they even call themselves legacy. They're unwilling mm -hmm. to change. They're really geared towards the chains. They've been bought and rebought and the customer support is just not there anymore. With that said, they're brands that I, I tell to my members, I'm like, I don't know that you want to spend the money on that when you've got this mid tier that's got mm -hmm. so many providers in there. But with that said, I go down damn near the list and go, yeah, well, you could pick almost a number of them and go, yeah, it does. The, these do the same thing. These do about the same thing. These two do about the same thing. So how do I make that? How do I make that decision? Whether cloud-based, whether, you know, uh, legacy-based slash play, yeah. plus cloud or just legacy. Like, how do I make that decision when they're damn near apples to apples the same thing? 
it all comes back to the consultants that you're working with. Um, in my mind, it all comes down to the consultants that you're working with and or the company that stands behind it. Do they culturally fit with what it is that you're trying to do as a brand? Do they have the support that you need? Do they have the people that know the product and focus on that vertical? Is the partner that's coming in to do this solution, are you okay to call, you know, somebody that's, you know, three time zones away or potentially 12 or 15 time zones away because that's where their support is held. And if you're okay with that, you know what, that's fine. Um, Be okay with that, but just go into it eyes wide open that says, how is their support? How does their support rank? How, you know, give me people that are happy with their support. You know what? uh, And we don't necessarily need to name brands, but there's, I mean, and everybody has to support, you know what stuff is going to break. I guarantee you stuff is going to break. You, it will be Friday night during happy hour all the time. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. And then what is their business model to support the product? That's the second piece is, is not just what is their phone support like. The printer, the expo printer is going to go down on a Friday night. What is going to happen when that expo printer goes down on Friday night? Is somebody going to walk you through taking the second bar well printer and moving it to the expo so that you can run an effective kitchen and still have your main bar be the one that's that's running everything? Because if they're going to do that, that's the type of partner you want because they're going to go above and beyond instead of saying, hey, it's Friday night. You'll have a printer on Tuesday. Sorry, because that's well, what happens in some of these cases. And, f- and, and full disclosure, that's how we met. We originally yep. at, at, at my old company, Famous Sam's, we had, were at the time we're moving to a, a posi platform and the vendor we had was horrendous. And we had yes. to get permission from the mothership to say, we want to go to CBS. We, we need somebody who's going to react to it. So I can tell you that you live and breathe what you're talking about because you saved us in a, in, in mm-hmm. my chain background situation. Without you, we would have had a flop of this rollout of this POS system. So it's funny that you, it's funny you say that. I was having dinner at one of our customers here where I live, and uh, and I saw something on the guest check that I didn't like, and I logged a support ticket without even telling the manager. I was like, "This needs to get fixed," and I sent it into support. They're like, "You're having dinner there. Why are you sending me a copy of a guest check?" Because I was pissed because I was like, "You know what? Whoever configured this, I don't care who it was—the customer, the vendor, that you know—somebody configured this wrong, and it's wrong. And the customers are going to look at this brand and go, "This is this is." terrible why and it was a a word wrap problem on the guest receipt and i was like this just looks crappy and so i sent the text into our support team and says somebody get on this system call the customer and say this is wrong i'm fixing it today because we noticed that it was wrong and i'm sorry that that anybody left it like this that to me is a the differential between a, a vendor and a partner you know which again goes back to to the the question that you asked and and hopefully I'm answering because that that is that is really what makes a difference in the world. Yeah, it's in much more detail than than I always say. You know, they damn near do the same thing. It's service, 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 support, 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 and then mm-hmm. does it have the right features you want? I mean, yep. bottom does line, it, does it fulfill your business requirements? Yeah, does it fulfill your business requirements? And then when you pick up the phone and call them, do they answer? Because um, it will go another, down another on a Friday company. night, right? It's, yeah. That's when it goes down. Yes, yeah. I have another publicly traded company that he used to go to brands and he would call and we would support his POS platform, even if it wasn't a core POS platform of ours, because he knew he could get a hold of our team and we would work our butt off to get it done for them on behalf of the customer, even if we weren't the most knowledgeable in the world, because we tried harder, because we worked harder, because we were in a place where, you know what, we did the right thing because it was the right thing. 
Yeah. No, I, 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 I can tell you that that is true from my, from experience. <laughs> Although, you know, that was 20 years ago. What the hell do you know? Yeah. Anyway, no. <laughs> you should only uh, get no, better, right? It makes only me crazy. When I see phones, that, when I see phone calls on the queue, it makes me like twitch. I'm like, come on, people. There's customers <laughs> on the other end of this line. You've got to pick them up because you know what? You have no idea. They got 80 people sitting in their lobby waiting to get a table and you can't get a, you can't get, get rid of them. Like right. you got to fix it now. You yep. don't understand how critical this is to helping them run a successful ship because you know as well as I do that our margins in the restaurants are so thin and that one extra guest, that one extra turn could be the difference between a profitable week and an unprofitable week. There's between a profitable shift and an unprofitable shift. So yep. I have to, have to, have to. So sorry, I get super passionate about it because it's it's important to me. I, I'm with you. Like we, we're, we're matching energy. We're there. We're good. <laughs> Where the hell's the industry going now with technology? Like it has changed so fast in a short period of time. Just in the last, you know, 15, 20 years, there's been a major leap. But as you said, mm -hmm. since COVID, there's even a bigger leap because now non-adopters became adopters because mm -hmm. they had to. So there's more Absolutely. innovation. There's for better, for worse, more and more companies jumping into the space from POS to scheduling to all in like the only thing I see consolidating is the all in ones. Otherwise mm -hmm. there's just a myriad of new technology popping up all the time. What do you see the future looks like? So I would say that the future, well, I, I think it's a two part, two part answer. I think that we are going to have to continue to serve the guests where they are. Because I think the guests, you're going to have the guest that wants to go out on a Friday night on their anniversary and have an experience. And you're going to want the soccer mom that's leaving the soccer field on a Tuesday night that wants to pick up that same dinner for their family or for their for husband and wife on their way home from their phone or from AI or from a text message or from some other means to get the order into the system to produce that food. And so I think where it's going is we're going to have to continue to support these multiple modalities of third-party delivery, text ordering, text to pay, you know, order at the table, all of those kind of things. The other thing I would say is, is I like to segment things into, into two really two parts um you either dine out for sustenance or you dine out for an experience and i think the brands that just are dining out for a sustenance you know the the fast i mean and I'm, i don't even need to mention brands but people need to eat and they're everybody's on the go they're all always super busy so if you're at a place where all you're trying to do is serve food get it out the door hot fast and you know, at a price point that can meet that consumer's need, I don't. Th I think it's going to be you're going to have to support all of those things. And then I think the flip is going to happen in those experience type things where you're going to have to deliver as high or higher a level of service as the Ritz Carlton or the Four Seasons or or Ruth Chris in those experiential type restaurants. But I think there's going to the the divide is only going to continue to get greater. And I think you're going to pay for that experience at the high end. And I think that sustenance. You know, the, the, the brands that really don't deliver anything of differentiation are just going to get ground down to the bottom and it's going to be a food cost plus 10% and you're just going to, you're going to throw it out the door, but you're going to have to figure out how to get it automated. I think there's a lot of stuff in the future that we're going to do, um, but I think the next 18 to 24 months, we're going to see a lot of that divide increasing. If you want me to kind of, kind of look into my crystal ball three to five years from now, I think that the customer data platform and, and figuring out who your customer is 
is going to play a critical role. None of us, none of us, none of us, none of us pick up our phone and expect to have a vanilla browsing experience, a vanilla Facebook experience, a vanilla Amazon experience. We all expect it to know what we want and we give that data freely because it makes our life easier. We give that restaurant that data every day and we the none of the restaurants use it. And I think all too often they need to get to a place where they're customizing the experience. I don't drink beer. So if I go into a restaurant and I sign up for their loyalty program and I tell them I don't like beer, stop sending me beer specials because I don't drink. I don't want that beer special. And you're wasting my time and annoying me to go there. But all too often they do this, you know, spray and pray um, marketing, spray and pray idea of let me just throw it out there to everybody. Figure out who your customer is. And especially as you get beyond multiple locations, you know this well as well as I do. When you were the concierge or you were the host, you knew all of your customers on a Friday night. You knew who your regulars were. You treated them differently. We can't do that anymore. Too many people, too spread out, can't go that route. And so with that, how do we do that with data? So that's that's one piece on the on the data side. And then the second piece is I think AI and computer learning are going to continue to enhance the labor projections and the food quality. Because one of the biggest problems I hear from our restaurants nowadays is with all of these different ordering modes, I foresee whether it's kitchen management or some AI in the kitchen saying, David ordered this burger without mustard and that cook put mustard on it and it's going in a DoorDash package, pull that order from the line and make sure that he doesn't get a burger with, with mustard on it because at the end of the day, you're not gonna be happy and probably won't order back from that. So I think three to five years from now, there's gonna be kitchen technology that's gonna know what went into that, whether it's a robot or it's a camera or it's something that's saying this steak was prepared properly, this dish was prepared properly before it goes out the door in a takeout package. So those are, those are my pontifications on where I think the industry is going. Well, what's interesting about it is some of that I would have never thought of. But the other part is no matter what, it still drives home the point that technology fixes a problem. If you don't know what your problem is and you don't learn about it, what you need to know in order to recognize a problem, to fix a problem, to avoid a problem as the owner, to always continue to learn, it's just going to be another one of those things. You'll be a late adopter or you'll never adopt, or if you adopt, it's, you're going to be bitching and moan like it wasn't magic because none of it's mm -hmm. magic if you don't understand why. Does that yep. make sense? Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, and you, you Chick-fil-A is the envy of the drive-through world I, and has been since before the pandemic. And they pivoted. I mean, look at how they pivoted to two lane stores in almost every one of their stores that I've been to. And whether you like Chick-fil-A or you don't like Chick-fil-A, it doesn't matter. Use that as an example of somebody that 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 is doing learning from where those things are. And you know what? They thrived through the pandemic because they, they adopted to the change of what the business needed. They couldn't push enough cars through the drive-through. And so they figured it out, you know? And I drove past the Chick-fil-A this morning on my way to get breakfast. And you know what? There was a huge line, uh, you know, coming out for breakfast, for the breakfast lunch period, you know, breakfast period. And, you know, they hardly ever had a line before. I mean, they had, might have had a small line that was a single line you know, whatever. But now there's even double lines for breakfast there because you know what? They were able to figure it out. Guess what? The Burger King that I drove past to get to that Chick-fil-A, their product's probably close to the same, probably buying from the same purveyors. But guess what? They didn't figure it out. They didn't figure out who that customer was. They didn't create that that experience to be able to, to know that these people are pushing through. And so yeah. I, I agree with you that you've got to constantly be pivoting. You got to constantly be looking at what it is that you're, that you're doing now and be on the forefront of, of where those things are. And then wisely put technology in place to be able to solve some of the problems that you have once you identify them. So 
Couple things. <laughs> One, tell me, tell everybody listening, watching us, a little bit about what you do because you're really two people. First, let's talk <laughs> about the, the restaurant technology guys, your podcast, okay. uh, your blog. Talk about how, what kind of resource that is and why people should go find it and how they find it. So it got started about four years ago. Um, I know you've heard the story, but for the listeners out there that aren't familiar with it, it started about four years ago because I was having these conversations with restaurant operators and my staff every week, every week. And then I'd have it again. And then I'd have the same conversation again. And then I'd have the same conversation again. And I was like, you know what? This is silly. We've got the technology. Let me put a mic in, in front of me and let me just talk to the mic. And it started as me doing a monologue or me as a dialogue with one of my other team members and we'd pull a list of questions. And then I started to figure out that there's people out there that are solving these problems. And so I'd pull them into the podcast and go, hey, you know, XYZ vendor, you're solving this problem that all of my customers are saying they have a problem with. Where, you know, tell me how you solve that problem. And so the Restaurant Technology Guys is really a platform that I, that I created to get the word out about Startup, you know, startup technology providers that sol solve restaurant problems. That um, some of them are, are experienced restaurant technologists that really are solving problems within the restaurant industry. I bet every single one of them. I look at their product. I make sure that it's a valid product. I make sure that they actually have something. If they don't have anything, I go, yeah, I'm sorry, you're, you know, you're not a right fit for the podcast because I, I don't want to put my name in the interview on something that might not be able to solve real problems. And so I started that. The blog is very similar. We pull together, you know, two articles a month, um, ish, you know, one and a half to two articles a month that are really about things that people need to be thinking about. People need to be thinking about these things within their restaurant. And if they haven't thought about it, it gives you tactical ways, probably the, the, the most complimentary thing that I get in feedback is when I got off that podcast, I had two or three things that I could do today to make my business better after I got done with that podcast, which that to me is actionable data that they can make their business better that day. That is why I do it. And so I do it as a free resource to help people get out there don't, don't, you know, don't charge for the podcast. It's not a subscription or anything like that. I mean, you can subscribe, but you get it for free. We put it out there, um, put the blog out there to, to try and get the word out because I am passionate about the restaurant business. I love restaurant tours and they are some of the most fantastic people in the entire world. And I want to see them succeed. And I cannot stand it when I walk into a restaurant and they, I, my wife hates going out to eat with me because I always find seven to 10 things that I go, if they just did this, this, and this, and I know you, you do the same exact thing and I have to bite my tongue. And if they're one of my customers, I'll call them after dinner. And there's times even I walked in the middle of dinner and said, I gotta go fix this. Cause I just, it drives me crazy. Um, but I'm so passionate about seeing these guys cause they work so hard to try and take care of their guests. And so the idea is put this data out there to help them make their business better. Um, and so that's my passion and that's why I do it on the side. Um, not in my day job, not in my second person job. <laughs> well, let's, let's talk about where do I where do I find the restaurant technology guys? Yep, restauranttechnologyguys.com. Um, there's a subscribe to the blog, subscribe to the podcast. There's a there's a one link. We're not going to spam you. We're not going to sell your list. You can subscribe. You get a once a month email that aggregates all of the podcasts and and all of the the blog posts. Um, if you go search, you know, Facebook, Twitter, Rest Tech Guys, Rest, Restaurant Technology Guys, LinkedIn. We're on all of the social media platforms. I love engaging with people because I love just hearing hearing about things. Um, David was on the on the you know on my podcast a few months ago, uh, you know, and, and it's people like you that that I can find that are really you know I mean I got fantastic feedback about what you brought because it's like that guy knows his stuff, man, and he's going to be able to help me and and I hope I hope for your business that you were able to get some some clients out of it and even if not then you know hopefully this will this will remind people to go back and see what a what a wizard you are to be able to help them out.
Thanks, brother. So now let's talk about your day job. What is that? <laughs> My day job. So <laughs> I, I get the privilege of working in a, in a family business that runs a point of sale company. That's how we met 20 plus years ago. Um, and we were a reseller of PosiTouch for many, many years and still are a fantastic reseller of PosiTouch. They're one of those legacy point of sale solutions out there if you're not familiar with them. And then about 10 years ago, we wrote our own point of sale. That's a cloud hybrid point of sale that's called Northstar. Um, and we're taking that to market and trying to solve customers' problems and and uh, and so I get the privilege of talking to restaurant tours every day, restaurant technologists, restaurant operators, and and just try to understand what their business needs are and make sure that it finds its way into our products or into our service offerings. And so we've got uh, two call centers, one in Dallas, one in Irvine. Um, you know, bunch of people that that are there and really passionate about the restaurants and doing what they can to help implement technology and make people's lives better. So how would they learn or connect with you and learn about North Star and what your company does? Yeah, so it's uh, CBS North Star is the name of uh, the main website for the company. Um, so CBSNorthStar.com. My ugly mug is on the bottom when you look at our executive leadership team, um, as well as the other the other three people that I get the privilege of uh, leading the company with. And uh, my email's there. My cell phone number's there. You know, it, I'm pretty easy to get a, get a hold of. I know you and I are connected on Facebook as well. Um, you know, anybody that, that listens to my podcast that's uh, a dual listener of yours as well as uh, knows that I've got four kids and a bit of a crazy life, but uh, but but life is definitely good. And so um, CBS North Star is the website uh, for the, the the brand and the business and, and Rest Tech Guys is uh, Restaurant Technology Guys is the uh, the blog and the podcast. Last thing, what did what should I have asked you? What do you want to share with people before we we depart? Um, keep at it. Uh, you, what you do matters, I guess. You guys, I mean, your, your audience is restaurant operators. What you do matters. Just just know that there's people out there rooting for you, that, that there's people like you and I that really want them to succeed. Their life matters. What they do owning their business matters. I've seen way you know, thousands of people that started as a host, started as a dishwasher, started as a line cook, started as a server or a busser that are doing fantastic things in this world. And it's your, I mean, you guys employ more people than the restaurants employ more people than just about anybody else. What you do matters. The impact that you can have on a life from the server to the cashier, to the bartender, to the busser matters. Keep at it. Keep pushing hard. Keep doing what you're doing. You guys are the true heroes of, uh, you know, I mean, these medical professionals are amazing through this pandemic, but you guys are also amazing because you guys kept your doors open. You guys kept people employed. You guys kept feeding people when people thought that the world was going to end. You guys were there. You're going to come out of this stronger. You're going to continue to impact lives and you're going to continue to make this world a better place because of what you do. Very cool. I appreciate you, Jeremy, so very much. I hope people reach out to you to learn more about what you do. Definitely go sign up for your podcast, uh, The Restaurant Technology Guys. I mean, why wouldn't you? There's a lot of great information there. I really appreciate you, my friend. We'll do this again sometime soon. Awesome. I, I, I really appreciate you having me on, and it's great to see you again, and have a fantastic day. Hey, that was an awesome episode. I want to thank you for taking the time to take action on building a better, more prosperous restaurant. Before you go, I want to give you these three thoughts. One, by combining leadership and taking action with systems and training being checked by accountability, you are on your way to creating prosperity for you and your restaurant. Two, I have something I need from you. Please leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you happen to listen to podcasts. By leaving us a review, other restaurant pros seeking out this information are able to find it. I read the reviews and hearing how this information has benefited you does wonders for me. 
And three, if you find any of the discussions helpful, share them. The more restaurant pros who have access to them, the better we become as an industry. For more restaurant resources or to get in contact with me, connect with me at davidscottpeters.com. Be passionate about what you're doing. Be persistent, but more importantly, become better and help everyone around you become better. And your restaurant is going to kick some ass.